Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And today's book is Tom Swift and His Atomic Earth Blaster by, I can't read the name. Victor Appleton II. It's a Tom Swift Jr. book. Before he got into the uh, Tom Swift Sr. series. That's right. That's that's how it went. It's weird how he wrote the Jr. stories first. Well, you know. Because, like, he started off with with Tom Swift Jr., like, a a youthful character supposed to appeal to a younger Mm. audience, living in the shadow of his more famous father, and then later wrote a series involving his geriatric father trying to reclaim lost youth. Yeah, yes, I mean, it, it, did, it did a little bit grim towards the end when it like started moving more in towards yeah, territory of like yeah. scientific experimentation and stealing the blood of the young and all kind of that. Like, yeah. It got a little bit more morbid I mean, at the end. The, but, the mm. traditional way is to start off with, you'd expected it to start with Tom Swift and he was like a boy genius and then yeah. he grew up over the series and then, well, oh, we've got to appeal is, to a... Genius is a little, is giving him too much credit in this uh, book. Uh, uh, Tom Senior. Oh, Senior, yes. Yeah, sorry. that would have been the way to, to normally do it mm. and then, ah, oh, we need to appeal to you because you've got like James Bond Jr. Uh, well there was, like, it was a bit of a fad at the time you know yeah. having, the, having the junior thing and like well, like I can get in on that and I don't need a senior to work from I can just like start straight off with a junior Look at us really getting into the book this early in the episode. Oh, I'm so proud of us. But uh, I think we owe it to the readers at home, even if, if this is like a new year and a new beginning, to, to sort of catch them up on the unnecessary lore that has sprung up about this literary podcast. Yes. But I, I had a... Hey, Kay. Yeah. I've, I've had an idea in that regard. I think that we should make our podcast that we do, you and I, Kay, mm-hmm. and, and, and me... Um, yes. Uh, Khaki. Uh, yes. yes, we should make it more. Yeah, we should make it more accessible to people. So I Have think you been that red ink again. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh. I think. I'm not going to do any callbacks anymore, uh-huh. and I think that I'm making that. I'm, I'm doing that as a conscious choice, not yeah. because I've. Uh, I don't. I don't remember any of the cool adventures that we've had yes. over the over the last year. But no, I think I'm just going to make the choice for our readers at home to to not refer to the past too much. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not sense. going to refer to whatever the name was of the vehicle that we used to uh, yes. ride around this uh, library. Uh, yeah. Or or sort of mention what happened to it or, or or where it is because I've sort of moved moved past that. It's just because you fell off, wasn't it? He, uh, 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 yeah, it's in the past. Bygones be bygones. Right. Okay. Hey, Kate, let me ask you. Yeah. How do you like my bear suit? It looks very good. Thank you. It's, uh, it's shown improvement. Uh, yeah, right. Especially since you decided to ditch the faux bear fur, which I'm still not sure where you tried to make it out of. But yeah, good, uh, good call. The past is the past. Yeah, I could tell like, you, but then I'd be breaking my uh, no, oath exactly. To... I like the more uh, industrial look that you've got going right yes, now. Yes, yes. The the sort of exposed components. Yeah. Now, it's still – it's it's – I have. I still have trouble seeing out. It is very dense in its in components. It, it, it's a the advantage of that is it makes it harder for the bears to get at your eyes. See, yes, yeah. yes. That's that's uh, that's probably. I mean, that's definitely why I designed it uh, like that. Me, and khaki. It's not entirely not nothing to do with you getting sick and tired of hammering at the helmet and deciding like screw it. I'm not going to like expand this slot any further. Yeah, I mean, I clearly <laughs> had fun building oh, this, totally. didn't I? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so no, I, I understand that this this probably puts up some 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 barriers between us. Like I am, oh, I have yes, a hard time seeing it, out. It, you it probably have a harder time seeing seeing in. in. Yes, but I, I I hope that you can still be comfortable. Also, I've decided that it's a, a pro bear suit. Oh, okay, as an, yeah. a, opposed to an anti bear suit. As, well, yeah. it's always been like for studying bears and interacting with bears, and not necessarily for staving off bears. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think the bears it's have going to bears that. have other ways of hurting you. That has been my experience. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like they're emotionally complex creatures, and they're not they beyond are. a little bit of manipulation from time to time. Yeah, and they're and they're notorious underminers. But I think with with my new uh, ah, cave my bears, yes. Pro- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's this? Cave bears. <laughs> cave they're bears. Underminers. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's right. There. There's right bears. There's there's what? Right bears. Right, right, ride bears. You know? Ride yeah, bears. Yeah, it's like there's this like this. Which call it? It's a theme park. And uh-huh. It's very bear themed, and you can get yeah, like. Oh, that sounds right. Like you a- can get. You can get a bear ride there, and it's like especially popular with the younger kids. And then again, they're underminers again. See, I'm going to have to control my laughter because if I laugh, that'll just encourage you, mm. and then you'll do more of this. I think I'm done. No, okay. <laughs> this is a this is a hey. This is a serious literary review podcast where we review, but don't read uh, uh, these books, and we owe it to our readers to to get to the point. So, oh yeah, just one just one more thing. Yes. Do you have, do you have like? A sandwich with you, or do you have like any snacks on you? Perhaps? Sure, it's just for me to enjoy now. Yeah, like what? What do you? What do you have on you? Just I've purely got, out of curiosity. Tupperware Can container. Can we take a look in there? Yeah, yeah let's it's, see. it's like it's, it's it's spicy garlic pasta fusion pasta. Oh whoa! Oh, that looks amazing. Uh, can, can I? Can yeah, I, uh, by all means, have it. Have, yeah, have okay. Some. I'm gonna just uh, just just for the readers at home. I mean, just maybe you can maybe you can tell the readers at home what this book is about while I I I take this this Tupperware basket full of pasta and take it to the stream and gently. Wash it. I'll be right what? back. Wait, you're, you're why gonna... don't you just tell the readers what the book is about? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the cover. Like it's kind of the thing of our podcast, you know. Like, oh yes, that's right. Cover that's right. That's right. That's right. So, what some water we have here is the and Tom Swift and his Atomic Earth Blaster. Ah, yes, by Victor Appleton the Second. That's the one. Yes, and we have a, a scene from the South Pole with uh, Tom Swift in the foreground wearing his Arctic exploration suit, which is a very interesting yes. combination of spacesuit and got this parka with the little fluffy collars and the lacing at front and then this like weird helmet that he's wearing with uh yes uh, inside which he's he's screaming oh yeah yeah well there's... oh oh uh, just a second i'm gonna have to take my uh, uh tupperware yeah. basket out of the of the stream real quick what, and for what, the for the you... readers this is and for the readers at home if you look down at your podcasting device right now you should should be seeing the cover of today's book and if not you can check the show notes for an image or a link or you can look for episode 53 on uh covermyasscast.com or you can even find us on twitter at covermyasscast that's what he says every week that's what I say every week. All right, I'm going to go back to the stream and gently wash your food. Huh. Okay. So, yes, um, back to the cover. There's like uh, the, the, the polar ice sheet, which is breaking up. In the back, you can see the uh, polar ice exploration station with the uh, with the huts and the antenna and everything. And there's like this big magma plume coming out and washing out over the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a geyser of, of, of magma. Actually, isn't it lava? Oh, well, it's magma when it's under the ground. When and it's, it's lava, lava when it's, I guess, when it touches air. I don't know when it, when it becomes lava. When it's, it's, when it's flowing off the ground, it's definitely lava. Yeah, but so what's the deal? Like, when it's not under the ground anymore, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of also is the ground, and it becomes ground. So that, that's well, such yes. a weird definition. Well, well, you have the lava flow, and I think it's still called, called... magma ducts. 
You also got lava tunnels, you know. And you've got underwater lava, so no, it's yeah. not about just touching air. No. And it's it's still called lava after it's solidified. I yeah, guess it does, yeah. Uh, yeah, you've got the lava fields, which look fantastic. You've got these, oh, in Hawaii? Yeah, the, the, the ropey coils and uh, of, uh, of stone. Oh, that sounds spectacular. Uh, I got to uh, recently revisit uh, the Giant's Causeway in, uh, mm. in Northern Ireland, a, a basalt formation. Where everything's broken apart into hexagonal uh, columns, isn't it? Uh, yes, there's all these sort of hexagonal columns coming out of mm. the sea, and a causeway is stairs. Yes. Uh, the myth was that that was the, the, the stairs that the giant used to come step out, out of the water. The, yeah, yeah when, he, uh, when he went swimming or took a bath oh, or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that, that, that these things exist, but also come to realize that like in a few hundred years, and definitely a thousand years, it'll be gone. Like erosion will have will just it? like well, I would assume that erosion will have like washed it away at that a point. A century though. I don't, well, maybe a few centuries. For rocks, like the difference between years and millennia is is, is barely worth mentioning. It's just for our time scale. Well, I think it, I think yeah. many more humans will be able to enjoy. It's like with bankruptcy; it, it happens slowly and then abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that is definitely true because as it yes no that is a very good point because as it as it wears down its surface to volume uh, ratio yeah. uh, in. Increases, yes, yes, that's the one. Should and we talk that, about the book? Let's talk about the book. Tom Swift and his atomic earth blaster, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, if there ever was a clear title what the book was about, then it's like... I, I do love a title that, that does what it says on the tin. And delivers what it promises. That's the one. So, yes, let me turn to the to the back of the book and yes, have a quick... Flip it over. Flip it over and see what it says after all the... Uh, the that's always our favorite of part of the episode, when Ooh, we flip it over. Flip it over, yes. A bumble-brained young blunderdunce is mistaken for an eccentric prodigy and tasked with creating wondrous new technologies to safely exploit the Arctic mineral resources. Together with his well-meaning but equally incompetent friends, Tom Swift nobly strives and disastrously fails to live up to his parents' rose-tinted expectations to the ruin of all who believed in him. Wow. Now, uh, uh, it, it sort of reminds me of disappointing movie trailers that you already know give away way too much of the plot. Like, multiple twists are already delivered. In yes. I'm, I'm thinking of, like, Terminator Genesis, where the fact that John Connor, spoiler, was actually a Terminator, oh. was spoiled in the trailer, and wow. therefore there was no suspense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's something about American movie trailers which do that, uh, like, increasingly badly, Well, because I the, the, the trailers are, are made by an entirely different team than those who made, like, they're made by the marketing team, and they yeah. go through the movie, and, like, whatever they think will get the most butts in seats, yeah. Is but, is what they you'd, do. You'd think that, like, you know, having the movie spoiled like that is going to make, like, oh, well, I know the point now. It's like, like is that going to make it even more exciting? Like, like, it's going to lower the reviews, but... It's what yeah. they think will get butt into into seats. I mean, what the what the what the marketeers want to avoid is people who don't bother going to see the movie. Yeah, they I don't suppose. care if the people who have paid to go and see the movie enjoy it more or less. Yeah, if they like it or not, as long as they go to see it. But yeah, think like that... ideally, go and see it again. Yeah. That's well. something that Titanic was famous for. James oh. Cameron's uh, uh, film. Re- repeat, repeat custom. Yes. Mm. Yes. That's that's why it, it it broke like the billion dollar. Like it, it people just went. Again and again, because it was, it was great. Dudes could at least pretend, if not actually, like pretend that they went for the amazing special effects and the and and, and the gruesome disaster yes. and, and all which, of that. Which the special effects, which have not really aged that well. I mean, the scenes of the now, of the. I've seen it again recently uh, uh-huh. after after visiting the Titanic experience uh-huh. in Belfast itself. 
And I've got to say, I've the grandeur of the ship, the scope of the sinks, right. and the but and the, the, specifically the sinking part. You know, the the ship tilting out of the water and the people falling down. That seems it looks a bit. You know, the Titanic wasn't wasn't that big compared oh, to our oh, modern oh, imagination. Oh God, no, right? oh, no! It's like there's you've got these beautiful comparison shots of like the Titanic compared to the modern cruise ship. Like, okay, we need to get better about this. We need we started so good, starting with the book straight away. So the book you mentioned, the uh, uh, Arctic Exploration Society. How, yes. how was how did how did you Victor Appleton describe it again? Oh, I think it was called the Arctic Society on uh, Glaciovolcanism. Ah, yes. So we discovered this mostly in, in, in flashbacks because we, we start, of course, in Media Res where Tom Swift Jr. is, is brought forward by the Professor's Guild mm. to solve a problem that the Arctic Appreciation Society has regarding glacial volcanism, yeah. which has stymied the world's attempts to successfully and ethically exploit Arctic resources. Well, especially the latter part. I mean, they've noticed that the yeah. Antarctic is a massive source of resources. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A resource a- source. So there's like, it produces a lot of minerals, which are somewhat easily accessible if it weren't for the fact that they were then under a thick sheet of ice. Yes, an enormous inconvenience, which presents some engineering challenges that initially the uh, Arctic Appreciation Society contacted the Professors Guild to, to solve for them. And after, after many struggles, they decided to uh, enlist the help of young Tom Swift Jr., whom they considered a, a child prodigy. I mean, in part because of his, his heritage, like he's the, he's the son of Thomas Swift Sr., mm. one of their emeritus members, who has a, a, a yes, long pedigree the, of fantastic inventions. The, the heir to the Swift fortune uh, and all that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's responsible for some, some, some truly fantastic inventions. This kid invented the best carbon dioxide scrubber that they've ever heard of, creating a revolution in space travel, like that's used on the International Space Station, and he invented the, the first terraforming technology, mm. so that uh, hostile environments like Mercury or Venus are slowly being developed into human breathable atmospheres. And uh, he even developed a, a form of ethical protein generation that is what, feeding chickens? a significant portion of the population. Well, it, it's interesting that you that you ask that. I mean, obviously, you'd, you'd think that chicken is just a pretty good source of protein, especially if they're, if they're run around kind, yeah. of, kind of chicken. And, but we are very quickly introduced to the reality that Tom Swift Jr. lives in, which is he is... He is not the child prodigy that he's made out to be. And he certainly Ah, doesn't. Yeah, he didn't initially try to be. Like, he wants to be an underwater polo referee because. The one thing that he's very good at is he can hold his breath yeah. for a long time. 16 minutes, I believe. Which is enough time for a 15-minute match of underwater polo, uh, a, a truly bizarre sport that I don't, don't fully understand. Have you, ever, have you ever played it? I'm about to play a bout right now. Here, oh. why don't you keep talking to the audience while I play a bout of underwater polo? Here I go. <gasps> okay, so, yes, good Tom goes on to his... Uh, uh, <sighs> I suck at underwater polo. That was I'm sorry. 16 minutes, not even not. More like 16 seconds. And I'm being generous here. Thank you. It's a good thing that you're not a referee. Uh, well, it's a weird game. Actually, it, and I'm thinking of underwater hockey, not, not necessarily underwater polo. How does underwater hockey work? You use a hockey weighted puck. Ball. Hockey, yeah, oh, weighted a puck. puck. You use a puck. Yeah, you okay. Got, like very small little sticks, which are like about the size of a spatula. Are you telling me a real thing? Yes. Okay. I am. <laughs> and you Please leave. explain it to me and the readers at home in detail just, because this has so, just brightened so my day. So you play it in a swimming pool. Obviously. Uh, and you have like two teams and it's, it's kind of like, like hockey. 
but uh, when is, I pl- wait, is everyone underwater? Well, yes. Is the audience underwater? Well, it, it's not really an audience part of sport. It's, it's not a spectator like, sport, though, no, is it? Like, like no, if the audience is sort of sitting on the side, just waiting for. Yeah. Can uh, you see what's happening? No, no. The surface is just. I suppose well, that, like there's because there's people constantly surfacing and coming up and down, and you've got like <laughs> oh, oh shit oh fuck yeah. So on either side there's like a, there's again. a there's a goal which is kind of like a lead <laughs> a, a tray which is like I think about a meter and a half long, and then you have to shoot the puck into that, and you're only allowed to play the puck with your stick. So you no. have to kind of dive and swim for it and push and then fight for the puck with the other it people. It's making pony me teasing. so happy. It I is. want to go and see an underwater hockey. <laughs> no, this exists. It's like <laughs> I mean, if you go to a sports game, you get some snacks and then you can just immediately yeah. sort of gently wash it under the, under, re- the under the water yeah, before you eat it ridiculously hard work are yeah. you a fan of cotton candy i don't want to talk about that okay like that is a source of extreme disappointment okay uh, as you as you well know yeah. nobody yeah. loves cat- cotton candy there can't no, be a rational I, I, person I, in the, in I, the universe I, I, who loves kind of do a cotton candy no so you asked about uh, speaking of food stuff you mentioned the ethical protein yes. that he's that he's famous for we very quickly find out that like many of the inventions that Tom Swift Jr. is famous for, much like his father was a famous inventor, they were kind of accidental. Yes. In a, in a, in a sort of roundabout way, because Tom Swift Jr. was trying to invent synthetic skin for people with burns or who needed skin transplantations. Unfortunately, being a bumble-brained blunder dunce, he did not like make synthetic skin so much as he made a a sort of blob monster that very rapidly like consumed everything inside of lab and was on its way to destroy most yeah. of humanity until it was caught and it was realized that oh we have sort of endlessly self-replicating yeah you meat. can just kind of like throw stuff into it and then cut bits off of it and it yeah. becomes like cheap protein yeah and it yeah. and it demonstrably like doesn't have pain or suffer anything well, it doesn't have a brain as, as, as they say this is essentially lab grown meat like self-replicating animal protein that has all of the all of the flavor that that carnivores come to expect so he was hailed for introducing this this fantastically ethical protein source and he yes. held his breath and took the credit for it because he didn't want to disappoint his dad yes he did put his good friend biff wellington into the board of directors of that company to get that running I sort of appreciated that. Tom Smith Jr. is all about, like, his friends who help him solve some of these these crises. It was Biff's idea to, what if we tell people that this was the plan all along? There you go. Yeah. And it was like, sell it as food. Wrap it in a bit of pastry and, like, stick it in the oven. And, exactly. And, and like, just, sell and just, it. I mean, he has, a, he has a number of such friends. He had a Russian counterpart, Johnny Onaspot Jr. Onaspot. How do you pronounce it in Russian? I don't know. <laughs> it's missing the crucial name. Like it doesn't have a patronymic. Mm. Russian names they, they they also mention the father ah, usually, yeah. but in this case it's jo- unconventional. By Johnny Onospochnik. Oh, there was a. I know that we're not supposed to do asides, especially since this is already done a little bit wrong. Mm. But there was an episode. Do you know the television uh, cartoon series Road Rovers? No. With the with the sort of hero uh, anthropomorphized dogs, and they and they go on missions, and one of them is like is, Patrol, is Russian. Oh. Yes, and it was a cartoon in the nineties, and they were going to do a musical number yeah. where they were going to use the word "son of a bitch" oh. because they're dogs, yes. right? And, yeah. and a male okay. dog yeah. is the son, undoubtedly. I mean, a, every dog is the son of a bitch. But of course, the television broadcast and standards yes. would not permit the use of this word. So instead, they gave a, a version of that song to one of their Russian members, who explains about. Russian patronymics, yeah. where you take the name of the father of the individual and you add, like, Ovich, or if it's daughter of, of uh, in the case of boys, it, yeah. it, it's Ovich. So the son of Sovo, Sonov is 
Sonovovich. <laughs> <laughs> so they could still make the job. They went through all of this just so they could get Sonovovich on, <laughs> on, on television. I suppose it works for the... Like, so it would be Johnny Orospotovic, I guess. Yes. Now, he was responsible for uh, for helping out uh, uh, Tom Swift Jr. when he was tasked to create a better way to recycle aluminum. I mean, I that's, that seems like a very tall order. I mean, aluminum being one of the is, most yes, easily right. recyclable materials that there is. How do you do it? You filter for all the metals. Well, you, yeah. You, you, and then you run them over magnets and you get all the ferrous materials out. Yep. And then what you're left with is almost certainly aluminum. No, there are other non-ferrous materials like, right. like like copper and brass, which is and, and tin. Okay, I suppose what are metals. Metals are particular. Uh, well, uh, metals are is a particular kind of element. Yeah, do we do we know all of them? Because it kind of depends on who you ask. Yeah. Like if you if you ask even like a 15th century person, oh. metal is anything hard that comes out of the ground. If you ask a modern right. astrophysicist, do you know what they say metals are? Mm. Anything that isn't hydrogen or helium, mm. that's what they say. Any okay. baryonic matter, anything that's on the periodic table and it's not hydrogen or helium, astrophysicists call them all metals. Oxygen? Metal. Okay, so my, 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 my original answer would have been something like, if it is in particular columns of the periodic table, then it's a metal. In attempting to create an aluminum uh, recycling system that's superior to what we already use, he winds up inventing accidentally what is called a metallophage. Instead of eating organic matter, it eats all sorts of material yes. and it just excretes, well, it kind of like becomes metalless blobs which you can cut off and then like recycle into. Uh, I'm detecting a theme here in the... I mean, this, this would have have threatened to deplete the world's metal supply, much in the way that the blob monster would have consumed all organic life on Earth, yeah. except someone discovered that it consumes a disproportionate amount of carbon dioxide when it does so. And now, the lab sample is extremely popular on spacecraft and space stations. They have a little, like, aluminum salt shaker, and you can just feed this, yeah, yes. you've got this little terrarium, and you can just feed a little bit of aluminum, and it'll just strip all the CO2 that you, that you want out of the atmosphere. Do we need CO2 in our atmosphere when we breathe it? No, you and I? No, not really. I mean, plants. Plants like it. it. So yes. you, can't, you can't go too crazy. If you look at a plant, like most of the material that makes up the plant comes from the air. All of the carbon, right? Yeah. And the same thing is like when a, when a human loses weight, oh, yeah. like where does the matter go? And it's like you exhale it. Yes. It's like all the fat that you lose, you exhale it as carbon dioxide. It's weird. It's the carbon <laughs> cycle is so miraculous. And so once more, he's, he's hailed as a, as, a, as, a, as a miracle worker for creating the CO2 scrubber, thanks to an idea by Johnny on a spot Jr. And it's his, his third friend, Dick Brisk Jr., yes. uh, who helps him out when uh, he's tasked to create... Dick Brisk, he's the one who's known as Gooey Duck, right? Ah, yes, that's why. That's... That's right. I forgot. I forgot how many nicknames some of these some of these guys had. Victor Appleton the second. You're kind of a saucy, saucy writer, aren't you? Oh, you've We're, seen gooey ducks, right? No, I mean, okay, no. Okay, so they're a particular kind of clam. Uh, uh, what the fuck are you talking about now? Okay, it's, okay, it's, it's called a gooey duck, and it's not it's a duck. Pr- it's springs, spelled geo duck. It's pronounced gooey duck, and it's a clam. And it lives in the northwestern part of Canada, I believe, on the tidelines. Okay. And they're about the size of the palm of your hand. All right, yeah. uh, The the, the shell. And they have this 
enormous. Three or four centimeters. Oh, three or four centimeters. Can you hold out the hand of your bear suit? Oh, the bear suit is obviously clearly yeah. enlarged. Like no, that's, that's a that's a huge. Yeah. Bump. But you know that my hand inside is is much 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 smaller yes, than than I this know giant. That. That's that's the normal you. How the, I remember you. Yeah, exactly. Like the Not the in, normal regular person sized hand. The the khaki sized hand. Exactly. It's much 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 smaller than this obscenely right, like, large. Yeah, not, not at all like my hand, which is kind of like still smaller than the bear paw. But. So what about this uh, gooey duck? So it's about it's a clam, and it's uh, it's about the size of my hand, which oh, I, yeah, I hold yeah, it up here. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. And it's got this enormous protrusion, which is like three or four times the length of the shell. It's rather an obscene sight, if you can uh, imagine. Okay, and it's also probably a certain color that's, that's sort of... It's kind of like fleshy, middle yeah. of the yellow, a bit pale, wow. palish yellow. It's, it's not... So what's the thing for? Is it like a... Is it is it to move around? No, I think it's like the, the thing that like they, they dig into the sand and they use that to kind of come up and like suck in water. I think it's a bivalve. Yeah, uh, uh, clams are. It's considered good eating in certain areas of the world. So the thing that I'm most upset by, I mean, aside from having a, I don't know if proboscis is the right word, it probably isn't. I think a proboscis has like a... It's it's, it's meant for probing into things, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you said G-E-O, and it's pronounced gooey? It's pronounced gooey. They're Canadian. That's that's an unkind thing to say (laughs) about Canadians. Canadians tend to speak much better English than many other peoples in the the Anglosphere. It's it's spelled G-O-Duck, but it's pronounced gooey duck. But do we know... And I don't know where the duck part comes from. (laughs) I I hadn't even gotten to that yet, Okay, fine. Yes, I will. Uh, but yes, it is the it is the Canadian Dick Brisk Junior, also known as as Gooey Duck, yes. who, uh, who helps Tom Swift out of out of his third sticky wicket. That solidifies his reputation as a, as a child prodigy. I mean, he was asked to create a cloud dispenser because clouds can be very inconvenient at yes. certain times. Certainly, like yeah, you, want, you, want, you want the clouds where you need them, and when you want exactly. them, not any time other times. Unfortunately, he wound up creating uh, what essentially can be called an out-of-control weather catalyst, yes. which was then marketed by Gooey Duck Jr. as a terraformer. Yes. And so now, like, thanks to these inventions that Tom Swift Jr. accidentally created, the Earth is, is, is colonizing the stars and reforming various inhospitable planets to support human life. So obviously the, they assume that... He will be the one who is easily able to solve the issue of glacial volcanism. Yes. There's a Arctic exploration trip where it's like everybody sets off on the boat, swinging past the Falklands. Like, I think they wave at some of the wasps which are flying over at the point. Yes. Uh, yes. I love that little clock. Yes. Uh, no, hold on. No, Sorry. we're not. I'm, I'm not doing No, You can do whatever you want. Mm, I'm not okay. doing any callbacks. All right. Well, uh, just referring to other books that we might have reviewed in this podcast. Yeah, but uh, not read. We know what we're talking about. We don't read them. No, exactly, exactly. That's for plebs. Anyway, on the way to the South Pole, a nice little swing past the the Falklands uh, and down to the ice shelf, where our good friend Tom is going out into the uh, being presented with the problem. It's like he's at the research station and they're showing him like the the primitive, more traditional mines, which first have to dig through the ice shelf before they can get yeah. to the rich deposits of the minerals. Uh, yes, in particular, the phosphate deposits. No. It's like phosphates. I mean, you think that like phosphates aren't they usually harvested from uh, manure? Who's to say? I didn't write the book, hey? Mm. Like, you can just look at me like okay. I'm supposed to be responsible. Yeah. for No, but Victor Appleton II, he wrote about the massive phosphate deposits, which is apparently a thing. 
on the South Pole. Yeah, on the I mean, yeah, that, that exactly. Might not be that well researched, but uh, no, exactly. Actually, maybe actually, maybe I, actually, actually, Appleton I think, just didn't do his research. No, I think I think this makes perfectly it? good sense because, yeah. like you know, how there's like uh, certain islands which are like slowly being harvested for the uh, manure for the I think for the bird uh, the, the the guano oh, the, the guano. Uh, yes. yeah. I think that's like um, this ties in later in the book. I mean, the, what what is the South Pole known for? Penguins. Bears. Uh, no, bears are on the North Pole. Okay, let me try this again. What is South Pole known for? Penguins. Ice. Okay, yes. what, no, let's try this one more time. I'm sure I'll get it. Okay. What is the South Pole known for? Penguins. Penguins. Yes. Birds. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flightless yeah, yeah, birds yeah, 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 can yeah, yeah, use yeah, yeah, large yeah, yeah. amounts of manure, and therefore there's like... Um, oh, that's I mean, this right. Is, it, it refers to later, later on in the book. As soon as he starts uh, I was going to say exploring. otters, but I could already tell from your face that you probably no, didn't I don't want think to hear. There's, there's any otters on the South Pole. Look, I just... I've never seen one there. I mean, I, I've never been to I'm, the South Pole, so yeah. I've, I've never seen anything on the South Pole, for, but for that matter. But, you know, penguins. <laughs> they go to visit the phosphate deposits, and, uh, of course, this results in uh, yes, Tom being fossilized guano yeah. over many, many centuries and Tom, millennia. Tom, being his bumbling self, manages to set off a, uh, a penguin stampede, which they, yes. which our uh, intrepid heroes narrowly manage to avoid by uh, climbing up onto an icy Ice outcropping blow, yeah. and surrounded by the surge of penguins as they trample their uh, eggs and their young and everything out in the, in the big the swath. seals. The seals, the- yeah. Otters? You already said no, no otters. No, otters. No. I okay, so otters. I mean, lions? seals are kind of like sea lions. Yeah, I think you have those. In the south. Yeah. What other animals do we have in the South Pole? Snowbats? I know about snowbats. Thanks to this penguin stampede, he discovers a fossilized alien warship mm. from the ancient Proto-Zorglabian invasion. Vision. Yes. I'm not sure how they managed to tie that into this book. It's, I think it's like him being a little bit uh, referential to his er- earlier books, the other writings, like trying to get some world-building canon going think, there. Do you think that, that was... You'd almost think that that was maybe like a callback to the very first episode by it? Yeah. So, yes. Uh, exciting exploration of this new find, this ship that's been buried in the Arctic ice for who knows how many hundreds or thousands of years looking at the various alien technology which he somehow manages to retro engineer or just like pull out of the weapons locker i suppose Look, I, but in the meantime like he is a bumbled brained blunderdunce he is constantly like just destroying all these systems turns out some of these ancient weapon systems have just been on and off like continuously intermittently causing the uh, uh, glacial volcanic problems and just by the fact that he is destroying this incredibly valuable artifact he's also turning off the the big problem that we sent there to solve and therefore hailed as a hero for solving it never mind that humanity never finds this protozorglabian spacecraft relic i think it's yeah. a self-destructor system that gets, gets activated resulting in a bit of a well the basically we the, see it on the, the cover fine, the final glacial volcanic explosion which uh, is, a, a big uh, magma slash lava eruption that uh, conveniently erases all the evidence as well there's an ice shelf fracture which breaks off the bit of the ice shelf that the research station is on and quietly floating away into the arctic waters and oh, right. watching yeah. the uh, watching the disaster that tom leaves in his wake as is usual but <laughs> he will still be hailed as a hero especially for his daring escape and making sure that everybody is safe by getting the research station everything on the ice flow and like drifting into the shipping lanes <laughs> and disrupting international commerce traffic but that's you know that's hand waved away it's been like oh the, it's, it's well, he had no choice he had to save exactly. these people and uh, I, I do like a story where uh, our characters are left better by the adventure that they, uh, yes. they experience and it's I not don't so think much the, the case here like, no no, 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 it's even worse now because he was he was saved from the potential embarrassment of being found out as a fraud. 
the stakes are much higher now. Like it is the it is the self perpetuating Ponzi scheme. You'd think he'd go have to go into politics. I mean, that's <laughs> rather cynical, but not well. necessarily incorrect way to look at it. Yeah. The book ends up with like another win for Tom, despite Bumble fucking his way through the whole problem as usual. And he's even in, in an even worse situation. I honestly consider Tom Swift Jr. a bit of a tragic hero because he oh, is totally. no better off than when he when he no. started. He is panicking. Even worse. He gets the credit. He comes out ahead, but he knows he's like... They're just going to expect more of him. More of him, yeah. He'll have to do it again and like, well... And he still doesn't have a way to comfortably retire and be an underwater polo... Referee, referee, like despite he wants being to. able to hold his breath for sixteen minutes, which I mean, came in useful in the book. It did, yeah. it did. I mean, he did like, crack his little yeah. helmet, swim out of the flooded tunnels, which, due to the melted magna, had like melted the polar ice, and that's the only way that no, he managed true. to rescue himself. So I guess it it, it worked for him, uh, just as it does in every of the Tom Swift well, books. Yes, like it, it always ends with like he's only able to really solve things because he can hold his breath for sixteen yeah. minutes. And of course, if you're an author of this kind of book, you can't kill off your darlings. I think Stephen King's Misery taught us that. I never. Actually read it nor seen the movie. Actually, it's an author who uh, gets is captured a, by a, his biggest fan and gets nursed back to health by his biggest yeah. fan, who then reads his latest manuscript. I was like, no, this is not how I learned it. And uh, yes, did that turn out prophetic? You know, death of the author and like trying like, oh no, this is not how we wanted Star Wars to go. And do it again. Yeah, do it better. Do it the way I want it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Oh, anyway, I guess most fandoms have that problem. But some some deal with it by more creativity, which I think is the is the is the way to go. More new stuff, mm. more new new things. Uh, much in the way that this is a a new year, and so we're not like resting on our laurels, and we're not doing callbacks to previous episodes, and we're not questioning whether I can remember recent events because yes. we, we we don't want to bother our readers at home no. with those, and we're just moving ahead with it with a clean slate. Yes. You and I, and my identity. And- Concealing bear suit. Yes. Is that comfortable to wear when you're sleeping at night? We're very, I'm very comfortable in here. Yes. yes. Okay. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep an eye on you, that. Thank you. Thank yes. you. So, how are we going to rate this book? Oh, let's see. I mean, he had, he was an inventor. We had, we oh, had volcanoes. Let's see. Well, we can rate him on, see, we have Amundsen, we have Scott, and we have Hillary, right? The, you mean Sir Edmund Hillary? He was actually the first person to summit Mount Everest, visit the North well. Pole and the South Pole. Oh, yes. Okay. So that's uh, he, he summited Mount Everest in fifty three, and he did the North Pole in fifty eight. Now, didn't Tenzing they Norgay did go up there? Oh, yeah, together. So the fact that there is no photographic evidence of, of Hillary on the top, there's only the, the the photo of Norgay up there because so Norgay didn't know the, how to operate the camera. <laughs> so going by the evidence, shouldn't we say that definitely Tenzing Norgay summited Mount Everest yes, along with some, along with someone who had a camera? Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. But let's assume that Scott didn't make it. Amundsen did. And then Hillary, who did both. Both. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to give it a Amundsen. And I Amundsen thought. just straight down the middle. The chief probably set out to go. I think that's. I think that's very good. I think that that. So uh, Victor Appleton the second delivered. Very pleased. It's like he ticked all of the check marks. Way to go! Book. So yes, I'll, I'll give it that. And speaking of uh, speaking of reviews for our readers at home. If you've enjoyed this this podcast, perhaps you'd enjoy like leaving a review of your own. But we do recommend, in the spirit of Cover My Ass, that you leave a review for an episode that you haven't listened to yet. And maybe just look at the picture and see if you can guess what it's about and give it an appropriately positive review. <laughs> because, yes, we're always very positive about the books that we review. We never review books we don't like. And we don't even read the ones we do. So what do we have in store for our readers next week? Uh, next week's book is by Arnetta R. Scowl, and it is On the Eighth Day God Created Hairdressers. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have contributed in many ways to the field of beauty. <laughs> I love a long title. And then about comes and thank you for joining us at Cover My Art, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is uh, Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we, we only, only judge, judge a book by its, by its cover. Penguins. No, penguins. I, no, it's the other one. I'm sorry. Yes, no, it's penguins. I'll get it next time. It is penguins. It is penguins. See, I thought, I thought so. Yeah, but penguins. Do you have any more food? Not on me. Can I check? All three of you. <laughs> Kay? Kay? Where are you? Kay, can you follow this? Okay, I'll just keep cycling. Can you maybe... Kay, can you maybe, like, light a signal fire? I've been cycling on the 3 for so long, I've no idea where to find you. Kay!